Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is Wade as we are sitting in the Wade Park location. I got uh, Jake with me along with Brandon in the studio. And we're talking to a gentleman, uh, podcaster going in every direction that we could possibly imagine. And today is going to be one that we love to talk about because we're going to relive some awesome hunts. We're talking with a gentleman from Alexandria, Minnesota, who is, uh, he's, he's famous. He's been an awesome mentor. He's uh, killed almost every big game animal and, and done a lot of things with a stick and a string. And we're glad to have him on. Without further ado, Mr. Mark Watkins. How you doing, Mark? Hey, I'm doing great. We're Thank glad you. that you could be on. And uh, as we start most of our podcast, when we have a guest of your caliber, uh, we kind of we ask you for a little history, more or less. You know, uh, we're assuming that you started young. But if you'd give us just your life story in a, in a summary, I guess, of your, your archery career and your hunting career. Yeah. Well, as a kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, there was a field of about 200 acres and that was my quote-unquote wilderness to explore uh, up until maybe I was 13 and uh, the first uh, first animal I was ever fortunate enough to take with a bow and arrow was at age six was a ground squirrel and I uh, I flushed him out of the hole with a garden hose so I don't know how sporting that was but uh, <laughs> that kind of that kind of lit the fire and then receiving uh my father subscribed to field and stream and outdoor life and i remember waiting for those uh to come every month and reading them cover to cover and uh reading about alaska and some you know hunting doll sheep in alaska and that was always kind of the big the big dream and i didn't ever really put it uh put it to paper until we were at a sales meeting and and uh one of our sales people had a uh had an hour and a half long session on goal setting and, and she uh, came out and she handed us each a green slip of paper and she said, what is that big, hairy, audacious goal that you've always wanted to do, but you've always been afraid to commit to it? And so that was easy for me. And, uh, that, uh, what got me thinking about trying to, uh, pursue doll sheep with a bow and arrow. So, that uh, and that was uh, back in two thousand and nine. So kind of really got things going then. But I really didn't start archery hunting until I was uh, forty three years old. Um, I knew that once I got into it, I'd be committed. I'd be in a hundred percent. And uh, we had two young girls at home, and so I wanted to focus on that. And we started our business in two thousand, so I needed to remain focused on that. And then. As uh, as the girls grew up and I had a little bit more time on my hands, then uh, I could get get more serious and uh, really get into archery and more specifically uh, bow hunting, which uh, is uh, is obviously a very strong passion of mine uh, today and in promoting the sport uh, for others. So that's an awesome story. <clears throat> and you you spoke of archery and that and your relationship with archery country is very strong. And uh, that's actually how we got to know you, both Jake and Brandon. Um, I got to meet you today for the first time. But I, I have done some research and, and obviously coming kind of from the same area, I've heard your name quite a few times. So that's a, that's a cool story. Um, Jake, I guess you're, you're kind of closer to that level of where, where Mark is as far as pursuing big game and all game. Um, yeah, I haven't uh, got some of the opportunities yet on some of the sheep species. Um, Mark, how you've shot doll sheep, and I know you've got some others too with the bow, right? Yeah, I just uh, I've got my <clears throat> Rocky Mountain bighorn, uh, Rocky Mountain desert bighorn, and uh, the stone sheep. So, Yeah, quite the accomplishment with the bow, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun, and you know, it all it all got started with uh, my brother, my older brother Mike. Uh, you know, taking me on fishing trips, taking me on hunting trips, and and uh, introducing to the outdoors, right? And it was something we could do together, and something we loved to do together. So, 
we still uh, we still do trips every year, and uh, but 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 I think that's the key is that we get somebody that introduces us and uh, takes the time, it takes the interest to uh, get us out and uh, get us started doing something, you know. And uh, for us, it was a lot of duck hunting, and uh, and then things just evolve. And I remember seeing a I got a picture from a mutual friend, and his name is uh, Bob Miller. He's passed away now, but Bob shot a he went to British Columbia, uh, and he hunted mountain goats, uh, with a bow and arrow and he harvested one. And I remember looking at that picture thinking how in the world it's got to be tough enough with a rifle to kill a mountain goat. How do you ever do with a bow and arrow? How, how do you close that distance in the Alpine? You're above tree line and make that, make that happen. So I got that picture and then we had that goal setting meeting at the sales meeting and, uh, at about the same point in time. And that triggered me to really think about, uh, this, this big, big potential ch- challenge. And that is trying to harvest the doll sheep. And that's the one I went after first. And so I put together a panel of experts, uh, and seven, seven people that had gone before me, if you will, who had hunted, uh, mountain species with a bow and arrow, uh, uh, six of the seven had taken sheep with a bow and arrow. Uh, Bob was on that panel. Um, Bob uh, had 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 not taken a sheep at that time, but he had taken the mountain goat. And uh, you know, it's some some guys like Jake Ensign, who was the seventeenth uh, person to ever harvest all twenty nine North American big game animals with a bow and arrow. Tom Foss out of uh, Calgary. Tom's harvested. Oh, I think at last count, 16 or 17 North American sheep with bow and arrow. Uh, Frank Noska, president of the Alaska Bow Hunters Association. Frank is uh, working on his second uh, super slam with a bow and arrow. Um, I think he's got like three or four animals left uh, to uh, take all 29 twice. But So all these guys were, were on my panel of experts, and I – learned a long time ago in business that if you want to get better, you associate yourself with people that are better than you. And so, uh, I would contact these guys and, uh, and set up a time where we could talk. And, and I really wanted to pick their brain about what's the preparation that a person needs to do in order to get ready to have, uh, one, a, a great experience, um, a great adventure, but two, a reasonable chance of success. And so these guys were instrumental in shortening my learning curve and helping uh, to prepare me to uh, go on my first uh, uh, sheep hunt, which was 2012. And I remember one of the guys said, well, the first thing you do, have you ever hunted mule? You live in the Midwest, so I assume you hunt whitetail. Yeah, sure do. Um, how about mule deer? Have you ever done mule deer? Uh, I've done it one time. I said, go do two more trips. The best preparation for mountain hunting, mountain bow hunting, is is, is mule deer, spot and stalk. Uh, you know, you're glassing the majority of the time, and then when that animal beds and you think it's in its day bed, then you look at the terrain, you look at the wind, you look at shade, and uh, you stay low and you go slow, and uh, it's amazing what you can do by sneaking in on a, a critter employing that. And so that was some of the best advice I got was to do more mule deer trips and, and do them spot and stalk. And, uh, so we would go to Eastern Montana. Um, I think I did three trips there. Uh, I was fortunate to have some success and, uh, and, uh, really learned, you know, what you can do on a stalk and what you can get away with and when you can move, uh, and what you can't get away with. And, uh, yeah, above all uh, things, uh, quite the elevation keep an eye out for those does. Quite the elevation difference from a alpine hunt to eastern Montana mule deer hunt. Yeah, but the beauty of it is the, the commonality is it's, it's wide open spaces, right? Oh, yeah. And when you first, when you first look at it, you think, you know, uh, at least I did, I thought, well, how in the world can you ever kill a mule deer out here? Well, there's a lot of undulations and there's a lot of, you know, um, uh, low shrubs and bushes and coolies and uh, little canyons and things that you can sneak around in. And, uh, you know, so the principles are really exactly the same, but 
anybody that's thinking about doing some of the mountain alpine hunting, I think that's the, that's the place to start. Um, go out and do some mule deer hunts and, and boy, you get educated pretty quick, you know, uh, and, it, and it prepares you and prepares your mind for, for uh, bigger adventures yet. So Mark is, <clears throat> excuse me, your, uh, your passion, obviously we've, we got a little taste of that. How many hunts are you going on? And obviously with the draw and, and different situations, but how many are you averaging per year, you know, nowadays? Um, out of state hunts, uh, like this year, I'm going to do four out of state hunts. Um, it probably, probably averages that it probably has averaged that three to four over the last, uh, 10 years. And what kind of, Mark, you're going after elk, sheep, mule deer, right? I mean, kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what would you say as of like right now, if I put you on the spot, what is your passion? Are you, you targeting one animal? Obviously <clears throat> the tags that you get, that's where you're going to put your attention at it. But it, what, what, like, what's your, uh, I guess your high mark hunt right now or your, or species to hunt? Well, in terms of species, I'm going to go to Alaska for moose, uh, in Grizzly this fall. And I leave September 2nd. You know, so that's kind of the, what, what's on my mind right now. But um, my all-time favorite type of hunts are the friends and family hunts. And those are hunts that uh, my brother, his son, uh, my godson Ryan, and a good buddy Jim, Jim Lamb from Alexandria here. Those are hunts that we've done. And uh, we've got another one of those planned this fall where we're going to western Nebraska, the Sand Hills for mule deer. And, you know, uh, like most great, trips and great adventures a third of it is the is the getting together and talking about the planning of it ahead of time a third of it's doing it a third of it's you know looking at the pictures and telling the great stories and uh and having all the laughs uh, about the fun and funny things that happen on those trips so those are my all-time favorite ones uh when you can do it with friends and family when you're doing sheep it's uh it's you and the guide and uh uh, you know, uh, in, in most of those, because I started bow hunting, you know, midlife, um, I didn't have enough time to put in for the draws for the, uh, tags and sheep and sheep hunting is not an old man sport. Um, so I, uh, you know, in doll sheep, you have to go to Alaska. I guess there's a few in British Columbia, but, um, you know, uh, and the, the, to hunt sheep in Alaska, you have to have a guide. Um, and so on my first trip up there, um, I was unsuccessful, but the sheep became a real passion. It was really just, if I could, if I could just take a doll sheep with a bow and arrow, that was the, the that was my BHAG. That was the starting point and got, got, uh, got into 52 yards on that first trip to Alaska on a great Ram. And, uh, all of a sudden felt the wind hit the back of my neck and, uh, I was, I had an arrow on the rest and I, I was locked on was, we were on, on final, final approach and, uh, watching the, the Rams horns and hoping that he would stand up. And then that wind hit us in the back of the neck. And, uh, well, he took off and stopped at 181 yards, turned around and looked at us. And, uh, I never did get a shot opportunity on that trip, but that really, um, kind of planted the seed that I, I can do this. I can get this done. And again, a lot of that confidence came from um spot and stalk mule deer hunting so i met a friend who's a very good buddy today i met him on that trip because he hunted uh i tagged i got in at the camp a couple of days early so i tagged along with bill um for two days and bill didn't kill a kill a sheep on that trip and i didn't kill a sheep on that trip but the good news is we, we got a chance to meet and we got a chance to become really good friends. And so we said, we're going to do a redemption. We're going to do a redemption hunt. We're going to do a redemption tour. And so we did our research and we ended up uh, going to the Northwest Territories um, for doll sheep. And uh, that we were lucky enough to get in. We booked it right away. Most of these sheep hunts, you got to book. Uh, two to maybe three years, sometimes four years in advance because they just don't take many hunters. And especially, um, 
you know, not all outfitters will take archery hunters uh, because it takes a lot more time. It's a lot more demanding on uh, their crews, um, you know, but we decided on the Northwest Territories and, uh, and that's uh, where um, actually on that hunt, Bill and I weren't hunting together. We were each one on one, but, you know, you take five, five aircraft flights uh, to get into, uh, to get into camp, everything from jets to, uh, to uh, a small commuter jet. And then you're in a, a super cub and up there, um, they used to always exclusively use horses, but you can use, you know, a helicopter to chopper you out 90 miles, drop you off with a backpack and uh, 10 days worth of food. And, uh, you and your guide just, just have at it. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that started it right there and, and, uh, was fortunate to take a great, a great Ram, um, in 2014. And then that really set the wheels turning for me to say, you know, the, the North American super slam has been something on, on my mind, but it was just like, it's, 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 it's too big. It's too time consuming, um, to do all of that. So what do you perceive to be the four hardest, um, and I think most uh, most archers would say that the sheep are, I'm not going to say the four hardest of the 29, but probably four of the, the hardest eight, if you will, or nine. And so I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this first all sheep, and then I'll take a run at, at the other ones. And So then the next one up was the stone sheep, and uh, that took me four trips to British Columbia to get a stone sheep. Um four trips to get an opportunity to, to release the first arrow. And, uh, well, what, it uh, just, uh, you know, I think, go ahead, you know, to me, and I don't have the experience there, but I, I can see it in you and the preparation. Cause every time you had a sheep hunt coming up, you'd come in here before that hunt and you were in pristine, like physical shape. I could tell that you were working hard at it. What does like, you're talking four trips up there. I mean, what does, your average day hunting a sheep like that in that terrain involved? Cause I know it's not a, not an easy task. You're not going in the Turkey blind and sitting there for hours with a call. I mean, you're putting some miles on. Yeah. The, uh, you know, you, you got the, the good news is, and <clears throat> the season starts uh, late summer. So you've got a ton of daylight and that allows you to, get your glassing in and especially get your glassing in at first light and last light. Um, you know, and that's where somebody needs to have really, really good optics because you're, you're going to be behind the glass nine to 12 hours of the day. Uh, you're, you're up at daylight looking for that horizontal back. You're looking for the leg patches, uh, on, uh, especially on uh, stone sheep because that gives you the, the coloration, differentiation that you're looking for to be able to identify, um, sheep. And then, you know, you're trying to find, find the Ram and, uh, making that judgment call of he's in the right spot. But, you know, it, they were all uh, backpack hunts. So, um, there was times we got dropped off by a float plane, uh, two trips, another trip we were able to get in via, um, actually three trips were flow planes and then one time by ATV and then you hike, but you got, again, you got 10 days worth of food, everything you're going to need. So your pack, my pack, I'd always trim in at about 55 pounds and then you add two liters of water to it, get your bow strapped to it. So, you know, you're probably running that 66, 67 pounds when you start. Um, everything you need has to be there. And, uh, so I think that, forces a lot of mental preparation, uh, for the things that you need, um, but also the conditioning of your body. And then also, you know, doing everything you can to prepare yourself for that one shot opportunity. And so my one shot opportunity on stone sheep came on day 44. And, oh, that's uh, incredible. Wait, 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 Four, you just said 44 day 44. Yeah. It was the fourth trip, you know, and I never, I never got a shot before. Uh, we were, we were close to, 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 to Rams. Um, but for one thing or, or another, it was just, it just wouldn't come together. It wouldn't come together. And so, you just, know, I, I'd, I'd go back again and, and just, uh, you know, we, we usually go into a different area and, uh, you know, it's it a great area. We're seeing sheep every day. Uh, we're seeing rams every day, but 
you know, uh, then you got to, you know, you're looking for that 80 year old man and there's just not a ton of them. Uh, you know, essentially that's what, you know, you're, you're looking for, for a old male, uh, mature Ram that is, uh, you know, at his prime, but, uh, you know, probably would die of natural causes, uh, within two to three years. So that's the animal you're trying to target. Yeah. And I think just, so, uh, for people listening, Mark, I'm sure you could have shot some with a rifle, but you were that, you were that committed to just doing it with a bow. And that's why it took you to 44 days. Am I correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So I, uh, I go ahead. Sorry. Go Mark. Ahead. No, I, and I had, hey, I had a, on one, on my first stone sheep hunt, I had a, it was a great ram, probably a 163, which would be all oh, in the top 25 Pope and Young all time. Um, at 194 yards, the guy sitting right next to me with his rifle and he asked me, he said, do you want to do it? And I said, no, I want to, I'm going to get him with a bow and arrow. And, and then, uh, you know, we, we, they started to come up the mountain to the very top and we made a call to move and, uh, and, uh, two of the four Rams came over the top and dropped in our lap at 25 yards, but the big boy never came. He was last in line, which isn't unusual for a band of Rams, the old smart, you know, patriarch. He, he comes last. He lets his five and six year old buddies go out front and run interference for him. Um, you know, it just came close, but I mean, that was just a, a giant stone sheep and, and it came close. You know, we watched him for four, four hours from, 224 yards to 194 yards. And then, uh, you know, I'm sure he was within 50 yards of me, but I couldn't see him because he was down over the side of the mountain. I just never came up. His buddies got a little nervous and, and then they ended up busting us and you're starting over again. And we hunted that ram for six more days. We never did see him again. Mark, if you don't mind, can you take us through day 44, like when it all happened and, um, you know, what you were thinking and how it all went down? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I learned uh, early on was, was you know, the, the mental side of it. And that's where a lot of people um, probably come up short is they don't go in with the right mindset. But I guess playing athletics my whole life and uh, starting three businesses, you're, you're used to the odds being stacked against you. And so uh, I think your mental state of mind and, and, and toughness is key. And so, I mean, I, I, I tell myself every morning, today's the day I'm going to kill my ram and, uh, and it's going to happen. And, and I'm in a, an incredible part of the world and, uh, you know, it's gorgeous. It's wilderness. It's true wilderness. It's not a Disney movie. It is, uh, this is real and, and I'm lucky and, and fortunate to be, you know, in that spot. So, uh, but today's the day it's going to happen. And so on that particular day, there were four rams nine sheep total and uh we found them in the morning and we watched them they were bedded in a spot that we didn't like and uh and, and the and the and the winds are always swirling in the mountains so you're never quite sure there but i didn't in particular didn't like the winds <clears throat> the way it was set up so we waited and they they uh they rebedded um and at seven o'clock we had snuck in and it was kind of like a, a landmine. We, we navigated in the, uh, through the eight other sheep. We got lucky and I, you know, I, I still don't, you have to have, you gotta be lucky. You gotta be lucky in life, but and I'm sure still not sure exactly how it all came together. That the fact that we were able to sneak in between uh, those eight other sheep and um, we found him by via a cloud of bugs. And, and uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, in, in British Columbia and the territories and, and the Yukon and Alaska, I mean, we think we have mosquitoes in Minnesota. We don't, we don't even have mosquitoes compared to what, what they have up there. So, you know, we were sitting there wearing head nets, um, and you got, you got deep on, uh, 90% deep on, which lasts about 30 minutes, but there was a swarm of bugs. We, we knew he had bedded near this rock, prominent rock. And then there was a swarm of bugs and, uh, my guide, and a good buddy now, Kent McKenzie, said, Mark, I, I found the ram. He's, he's right there. And at this juncture, we were about 45 yards from him. And you could see this swarm of bugs that, that was hovering over this animal. And then Kent stood up, and he could see the, see the horns. And and, um, and then we verified, yeah, that was him. That was the ram we were going after. And 
we had nicknamed him Wide Load. Not that he was uh, uh, a giant, giant ram. He was an old, mature ram, but really flared really wide. And so he was super easy to identify. And so then we snuck into 26 yards and waited for, uh, for him to stand. And we knew he was going to go to feed. He was laying up in the, in the rocks. And, uh, so we snuck in the rocks, uh, uh, above him, which I think is really critical. Um, especially on sheep. And I always feel like I can get a ram killed if I'm up above him coming in on top because, um, you know, rams and, and, uh, and mountain goats, they think they're the baddest thing on the, on the mountain and nothing can get a, get above them. Right. Well, if you can figure out a way to get above them, then you've got a, a, a pretty good chance of, of being able to sneak in. And so we just sat on him, uh, for what seemed like an eternity. And finally he stood up and, uh, started to walk and there was my shot at 26 yards and Kent, my buddy got the whole thing on video on his iPhone. I was uh, on the tip of my edge of my chair there for <clears throat> a bit. So let's let's sidetrack because I could listen to you talk. It's kind of like listening to Sam Elliott, you know, about hunting. And this is the easiest podcast we probably had or doing because of what you just you're, the way you're talking and through it. But sidetrack just a bit. If you wouldn't mind going to your relationship with Archery Country and the two guys that I'm sitting with and uh, – you know, not, not doing a selfish plug, but just, uh, the importance of finding a good shop and, and then your history here. Yeah. Well, I, I had a, a friend, uh, recommend archery country. So I stopped in and at Wade park and, and met, uh, Brandon. I don't think I met you, Jake, uh, the first couple of trips, but met Brandon and, uh, d- described to him, you know, what I, I, I like, a. uh, I like the aluminum bows. I like a heavy bow, uh, especially in potentially longer shot situations, which any of your Western hunting or your mountain hunting, you're probably, you have to be prepared for a longer shot, say 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards, um, something like that. And uh, Brandon's, uh, I don't know how he does it, but when I tell him I want to come in and and shoot a a bow, um, he's got it set up and it's tuned to me already and he and I are about the same size so that helps out a lot but uh I think there's only been one bow out of nine or ten bows Brandon that yeah it's been at least I bought from you that 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 didn't paper tune uh the first time that I shot it through paper you remember that yeah there's only been one there's only been one bow Yep, I think I think that's about right. So, you know, it so much of it is about eliminating variables in life, and in, and in, and in bow hunting, that's especially true because there's so many things that can go wrong. Whether you're whitetail hunting, um, or you know you're you're doing some western or mountain hunts, and you have to eliminate the variables. And so, this is one huge confidence builder for me is that I just know when Brandon and John and Jake's crew set up a bow, it's dialed in and it's in tune and I can take it home and I can shoot my fixed blade broadheads and it's, they're, they're just going to shoot, you know? And so it's all about building that confidence and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the whole, the whole package together makes, uh, you know, it just, it, 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 confidence feeds off confidence. Right. And so that's, you know, how I found you, or you guys, or I guess more importantly, why I just keep coming back like a stray dog when he gets hungry, he <laughs> comes, comes home every night. And I yeah, usually, I, I usually, I usually go home with a new bow. I don't, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, Brandon. But. Yeah, no, and, and we appreciate that too. And I think part of it is, is that uh, all of us live to hunt and love shooting our bows and love, you know, and know how rare those experiences are. Um, where you get everything to line up in front of you and you know we want to make sure everything's right because uh you know in this business we don't uh we don't get a, a do-over if we don't get one right either because if you're out in uh on a sheep hunt and something we did that makes it not work right that's a big right that's a big mistake so we do take that uh we take it to heart and take it serious and and uh 
and are and are lucky to have guys like you and all the other customers that'll put that trust in us too. Right. We uh, yeah. we have a lot of listeners that absolutely love listening about setups. So uh, do we have Brandon? I guess I'm asking you and Mark. Is he set up for this year already? Yeah, yeah. So, we get Mark, if you, if you wouldn't it, just kind of tell us a brief description or go into detail, however you want. What's what's your setup this year? Yeah, well, it usually starts, uh, you know, when the manufacturers release their new bows. Um, some do it at various times, but uh, yeah, it, it's almost always January when I get a hold of Brandon. I say, Brandon, I want to come and shoot and shoot shoot a variety of bows. And that first trip just kind of, you know, I'll, I'll usually shoot a Matthews and a Hoyt for sure, and sometimes a Bowtech, um, and just let the bow pick me, right? Uh, it's not like a gun. You got to let, you got to let the bow pick you and which one feels the best and just sets up the best. And then the second time around, Brandon will have it, um, set up for my draw length, which is all documented. So it makes it really easy. Um, I just call Brandon. I said, you know, Hey, I, I want you to set up a Hoyt uh, Axis Ultra, uh, which even at, you know, I don't know what I am, like four foot seven, Brandon. Um, <laughs> I'm not, not very tall. But I, but I like a 34-inch uh, ATA. Um, and uh, with some of the new cam systems, you can, you can, you can get, get the right nose, uh, string angle for the nose contact, you know, on, on – 30 or 31 ATAs, but, and something with a pretty big brace height, you know, and that's a six and three quarter inch. So Brandon sets it up. I come in and, uh, shoot it and, uh, it's already paper tuned and that makes it easy. And then, you know, uh, I get to go home and, and go through the process of, of, uh, really getting to know that bow, which for me takes, you know, probably 30 trips to the range to really know if I can get stable and, and uh, a little regimen, one of the guys on my seven, on my panel of experts said, get to a point where the first thing you do is you go to 80 yards and you shoot that first arrow. No warm-up, nothing. That's where you're going to put all the chips on the table and you're going to find out if you can shoot that bow under a pressure situation. And so that's how I start off my practice sessions is uh, just that first arrow at 80. And, uh, then I know what I got because that's how it's going to be, you know, whether you're sitting in a whitetail stand and you get that opportunity at a buck you've been after all season or maybe multiple seasons, you only get that one chance. And so it's got to be right, but it all starts with, you know, being confident and comfortable in your equipment. And, uh, especially in archery, it's, uh, it's, it's more important who's the technician behind it that you have confidence in that. So I know I can call Brandon or John and say, Hey, set up a bow for me. And it's, it's ready to go. It's fun. Yeah, and I think like some of the things you are talking about there, and we've touched on this on some of our other podcasts, is the preparation and confidence. You know, you you are forty four days in, and now you have a ram that you're sitting on at twenty six yards, and you're probably pretty sure you're going to make that shot. And it's you know those all those things come together that you feel one hundred percent you are going to make that shot. And even though twenty six yards maybe isn't the longest shot. You know, you're 44 days in and, and being comfortable in your equipment and knowing it shoots well and it's tuned well, you know, and it was durable enough to hold up through, you know, all those grueling hunts and, and walks in to, to finally make that one opportunity count. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it starts with your equipment and then it moves right into your practice and your practice regimens. And uh, so I, I don't that. shoot every day, but I do shoot probably three. 300 different times per year. Um, some days I'll go shoot two or three times. You know, I have an 18 arrow maximum that I'll ever shoot. I'll never shoot more than that at one practice round because of fatigue and, and the bad habits can start coming in. But, you know, it's all about delivering that first accurate lethal arrow because that's what, that's all you can ask for is one opportunity. If you get that one opportunity, you got to make it happen. Yeah. And I think the two, you know, I think having, having a goal in mind for, for what you want to get to um, it helps with that practice routine and, and set yourself up for, you know, how do I get there? You know, if it's, I want to put that one arrow in at 80 yards on my first shot, I want to be able to shoot, um, you know, a 300 at Vegas. I want to be able to, you know, shoot 25 yards at a deer out of my deer stand, the first arrow. 
I think having a goal on what you're preparing to really can help you come up with a plan too. And I think that's one of the things that makes our job easy with Mark too. Um, because he comes in, he's ready, you know, he's in shooting shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows what he wants. And he knows what he wants, yep. you know. So it makes our, you know, he can, he's kind of saying we're doing our job. But I, I can tell you on the other side of the counter, um, when a customer comes in, lets us know exactly what he wants and has a plan and is in shooting shape and physically, you know, can come in, shoot good arrows. Um, it's easier for us to get that equipment mm-hmm. to that point too. Yep. And being a gadget guru, is it, is it, did he go with the Hoyt Axios yep. Ultra? Yeah. Well, and Mark, you got, what do you have? Three bows right now? Mm, Two, well, three. No, I have, I have, I have three that are set up exactly the same. I always take two on the, on the adventure hunts, if you will, because sometimes you can, like in British Columbia, get bucked off a horse and land on it. And, uh, I actually broke, um, uh, part of the bow and had to ride back and get a different, get the, my backup bow, but the bows are set up exactly the same, but I've got five or six bows right now. Um, and basically they're all set up the same, but the two that I take on the trip are, you know, the two that I have the most confidence in, um, my primary and then the backup and you hope that you never have to use the backup, but you know, it's like a lot of things in life, uh, pray for the best and prepare for the worst. And mm-hmm. sometimes you got to go to that backup and that's why. Yeah, I mean, if we go to South Dakota whitetail hunting, I'm taking two bows. If we're going to, um, when we go to the Sand Hills this year in Nebraska, I'll take two bows. Um, all of my other out-of-state hunts, I'm always taking two bows, three releases. Um, you just got to have your backup plan in place and and uh, and be prepared. Yeah, and I know for myself, too, you know, I think everybody thinks of, like, the catastrophic failure of taking your backup bow up. I've been on trips before where, Halfway through the hunt, I pull my bow out and it's shooting and it's hitting two inches off, and I just pick my other bow up. I don't sit and try to figure out, you know, what's wrong with this, what's going on, because then all of a sudden, even if you adjust it back, in the back of your mind, you don't have the confidence you had before. At least if you have that back of bow, you just put it down. I'll figure it out when I get home. Pick it up, shoot a bullseye with that one, and you're off to off to it again, and with the confidence. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, you know, I don't know the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver, so I can't fix anything. <laughs> so that's where, that's where I need, I need the Brandons and the Johns of the world to, uh, to, uh, get me set up. And, and, uh, anytime I've had to go to a backup bow on a trip, it's not because the, <clears throat> the bow failed. It's because, um, like the time I got bucked off a horse, um, or another time I fell coming down a, a scree slide and, uh, broke the rest. Uh, well, those aren't, those aren't, those aren't mechanical failures. Those are things that just happen because of the physical demanding presence of the, of the environment that you happen to be in. And, and so, uh, knock on wood, you know, I've never had a bow failure. Um, uh, it's just, you know, something, something happens out of your control and that's why you got, got to have the confidence that you can go right to that backup bow and, and you're fine. And I always back, backpack a little target, um, called a grizzly target and they're made up in, in Alberta. And, uh, and so every morning when I get up, the first, the first thing I do is eat breakfast. Second thing is I'll shoot three or four arrows at 30 yards, 40 yards. And then, you know, it, it just builds confidence for that day. It just continues to build. It's all, you know, it all starts at the foundation with having confidence in your equipment and the fact that it's tuned and the arrows are going to fly right. But then building that daily confidence, every morning, um, is really key. And, you know, it weighs 1.8 pounds and that's an extra 1.8 that I got to backpack around the mountains. Um, but it's, it's so worth it because, uh, of the confidence that it gives you every morning. Yeah, absolutely. That peace of mind and that, I mean, archery is a confidence game, hundred percent. I mean, if you, yep. before you let it go, if you're wondering if it's going to hit, it's probably not going to hit. <laughs> if, if you know, it's going to hit you're in good shape, you know? So I agree with you yeah. 100%. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, too, here talking to you, Mark. And, you know, I think for all of us, and especially going through the times we're going through with COVID and a lot of other activities people aren't able to do, um, you know, the importance of family and doing this with your families and friends and, and sharing that passion. And I think all of us here, you know, do the same thing. You know, it's one of the 
main connectors in a lot of our lives is to our close friends and family is is hunting and hunting as a as a as a group not just by yourself on a on a mountain out in the middle of nowhere um you know it's just the bond you can you can create with that the time you can you have have your kids and your family want to do stuff with you i think is is one of the coolest things about the sport um you know and i know you and your family and and all of us guys here kind of to go about it yeah without any question you know it's great to 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 go to alaska and to go to the the north and, and have those humps but the 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 bad thing is, is you're traveling alone in most situations. Um, you may or may not know, uh, your guide, um, anymore. I am usually hunting with guides that are, are friends of mine and I've met them through, uh, the Pope and Young Club or, or, uh, bow site, uh, you know, an online bow hunting, uh, forum, um, and they become friends, but, as I said earlier, my favorite trips are these, like we're going to run out to the sand Hills and there's four of us. And, you know, there's text messages going around right now. Who's bringing what and whose truck are we taking and what day are we leaving and flipping each other grief, uh, you know, back and forth. And every day then we come back together in a little trailer house and we're, everybody's telling their story from the day. Right. And so, you know, you got like two hours of great stories that are going to happen, whether somebody was able to get a shot or kill that buck, um, but, or the rattlesnake they almost stepped on, um, or the flat tire they got from the cactus, or, you know, it's just, that's what it's all about. You're having a great meal together and maybe a cold beverage and, uh, you know, you get up the next morning and you know, you're going to go out and have a great adventure and you're all going to be able to get together and swap those stories again. Uh, that next night and so those are the funnest ones and uh, uh, you know that's that's really where it's at and 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 that's really what got us to start the archery program here in Alexandria and the uh, high school archery team uh, that competes is that it's lifelong it's outdoors and it's family Um, there's not a ton of things in life that are that way that you can do. And so that's what really, uh, kind of motivated a group of us to get, get things, this archery program going and introduce a lot of our young people to it here in Alexandria area. And, and so that they can enjoy some of the things that we've been able to enjoy over these years and these, these great trips that you get a plan and, uh, um, the challenge of it. And, uh, you know, the odds are, are stacked against you because you got to get to, you know, 30 yards on that animal. Um, but at the same point in time, you keep working at it. You just keep getting better and, uh, and better and better. You don't always realize how that you are getting better, but you get to go out and do it with family and friends. And, uh, you know, like I said, my brother, Mike introduced me to, to the great outdoors at a very early age. And, uh, you know, he and I are still, he's, we're still doing these trips and he's, uh, 71 and, uh, we got him a crossbow and we didn't know anything about a crossbow. So. Who did I call? I called Brandon. I said, Brandon, it's time to get Mike a crossbow. He's ready. He's, he's finally got it in his, his head uh, that that's what he needs to do. And, uh, you know, we came in and, and got him set up. And um, he's killed two deer with it now in two years. And uh, he's like a new – and he killed a great bull elk. He killed a 320, 326 bull elk at 37 yards in New Mexico three years ago. Yeah, it was the very first year we got it, and you thought he was as confident as a <laughs> 18-year-old MVP, right? <laughs> hey, Mark, real quick, just what you're talking about with, uh, you know, family and friends. We'll bring it back to Minnesota a little bit. Um, I know you got your own piece of ground um, that you have food plots, and you got it set up really nice, but your buddy Jim that you mentioned a few times, he shot a great buck a few years back on your property. Um, Want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, when you invite your buddy to come hunt with you, and uh, as I did the gym that, that day, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm all in," and then he texted back. He said, "No, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it because Jackie and his, his daughter was 17 at the time, and she was just starting bow hunting, and they were, she was gonna bow hunt near home, but she doesn't, she didn't, she didn't like to walk out in the dark, and so he says, "I'm gonna hunt it down here at home with with Jackie." I said, oh, "Okay." 
And then all of a sudden I got the phone ring and it was him. And uh, he goes, hey, Jackie's going to study, so I'm available. Is it too late? I said, no, I'll, I'll put you in the stand. I was going to hunt tonight. So I put him in the stand and uh, this buck comes in chasing this doe. It was November 2nd. And I remember getting the text at 5, 11 PM. I just shot. And, uh, the first, first shot, Jim missed this deer. He came in at a really goofy angle, but the buck was so wound up on this doe that he stopped at 36 yards. Jim reloaded and, uh, killed a 194 gross, uh, green gross, non-typical. And, uh, yeah, 319 pounds, uh, live weight. We weighed him on our buddy's certified meat scale at a locker room. Yeah, we just couldn't, we couldn't believe it, you know, and that's the kind of thing, that's a once in a lifetime deer uh, for all of us. Um, but to have done that together and like I'll send him that picture of he and I with that deer, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 times a year. <laughs> no comment, just send him the picture, right? <laughs> And we get to go back and relive those memories and uh, the great time. And You know, those guys are up there helping me plant food plots, put in this irrigation system. Um, you know, every year there's this big checklist of things that we've got to do and got to get done. And this year we tried fencing off some beans. So we've got 1.4 acres that are underneath fence and it's doing fantastic. And, uh, so we're already talking about, you know, up in our game next year on more, more, more behind the fence because, um, you know, the, the deer depredation is just so hard on the beans that you gotta, you gotta do that. But yeah, you just never know. And so you, you put your buddy in, in the stand, you were going to hunt that night. And he ends up killing a once in a lifetime deer. <laughs> At least they've always got that to hang over his right, head. Right, exactly. <laughs> you can get him out to come help with food plots anytime. Exactly, yeah. Uh, anything, Cut, cutting trees, doing timber stand improvements, you know, whatever it is, he's all in. And uh, that's where some of those, you know, friends and family, nothing's better than that. And that's, uh, those, are the, those are the best hunts for sure. As far as if you were to give, and I consider you a pro, and if you look up at your resume, that would that's what it, you may not say that you are, but if there was one pro tip that you could give anybody for their fall adventure, it could be hunting a whitetail buck that they have trail cameras, or going on a sheep hunt, or elk hunt, or any anything that their their adventure is set on, what would be your one pro tip? Well, you must have a pretty loose definition of the word pro Wade, but, uh, um, I think the main thing is, 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 uh, it's just like with any sport. And if, uh, anybody out there has read the book by Malcolm Baldridge called the outlier, he's got a chapter in there. It's a rule of 10,000. And I didn't think about it until I read his book and I got to that chapter and the, and the, and the concept is, you can't become really good at anything until you've done it at least 10,000 times. And, you know, there's so many analogies between golf and archery in that it has to be committed to mental or uh, muscle memory, right? You can't be thinking about all the little steps because there's too many little steps that the human mind can't think about that many things. So to answer your question, it, it to me, it definitely is shoot that bow a whole bunch of times. Don't pick it up. July 1st, you know, getting ready for uh, September, October, November, even though that can be successful, but have a situation where you can shoot, even if it's on your driveway, shooting at 20 yards, where you got a good, safe environment, safe backstop, go out and shoot those 10 to 12, 15 arrows, um, three, four, five times a week. It just builds muscle memory, which builds confidence. And, uh, you know, that's, kind of been a theme here i think that today on you, you got to be ready and you got to be confident when that shot opportunity arises and if there's any questions in the back of your mind what the outcome is going to be well it's probably not the outcome you want yeah and i think uh you know on that same line there i i see it more and more as the technology has gotten better where people think they can get away with practicing a little less because they can come in and shoot you know shoot fairly well 20 yards no problem well that's you know, no pressure, things are happening at your pace, 
And that's not how it happens when you're hunting, you know. So having that muscle memory and, and not having to think about anything is a big key to, to right. making it happen when, when it's crunch time, not when it's on your yeah. time frame. Yeah, and we've talked about that a few times, trying to add pressure onto your shooting. Is there something that you do, Mark, um, whether you're shooting against some buddies or, or if you're at home, is there something that you try to do to prepare your, your mind while you're practicing for that, you know, that hunting opportunity shot? Yeah, I think the more distractions you can have <clears throat> while you're shooting, this is, this is at, I guess, at a point where you've become fairly proficient. So Jim and I will shoot uh, together at least once a week. And, you know, somebody may be talking while one guy's shooting. And that's not by accident. That's, that's by design to try and, and throw challenges at the shooter so that you can stay focused and mentally sharp at the mission at hand. And that's delivering one accurate lethal arrow and so we compete against each other and have shoot-offs and it's fun and invariably you know we end up having a couple of bush lattes afterwards and uh maybe maybe jim won tonight uh maybe i won two days ago um but it's it's having fun together but at the same point in time putting pressure on each other and again we always start at 80 yards there is no warm-up and if and if you shot arrows earlier that day you tell we tell each other you know hey just a little disclosure, I slipped out at noon today and I shot 10 arrows, so I have shot today. But usually we try and go into those things just cold turkey and, and, and let's see how that first arrow goes. And, uh, you know, there's times where we don't shoot any other distances. We'll just shoot at 80 because we know if we can make it happen at 80, we can make it happen on a whitetail at 26, you know. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And having having that buddy to push is a, a nice thing. Um, I... Uh, Really appreciate you getting on the phone today, Mark. I think, you know, one of the things we wanted to do is not just, you know, showcase people from all over the country, but people that are actually accomplishing some really big things in archery local. Um, and I, you know, out of hunting community with a bow, I don't think there's too many people that can hold a, a candle in the wind of what Mark's done with, with sheep hunting with his bow to be able to accomplish that and get that done. Uh, so I really appreciate you, you, you know, getting on the phone today, kind of telling your story, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in here with a, a big mule deer and some other stories from and this a grizzly fall. bear. Yeah, and a grizzly bear. Yeah, well, it'll uh, it'll be a fun fall for sure. And uh, Brandon, I'll be in touch. I'm planning on coming down a day next week, and we'll do a final tune on on the bows. And uh, I need to pick up some more arrows too. So yeah, right on. Good. All right, guys. We, uh, we appreciate it, Mark. And on behalf of Jake and Brandon, this has been Archery Country Podcast. We'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 